Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. We have Reverend Roland, I wouldn't say guest speaker because he's not a guest. But we have Reverend Roland to minister to us today. Let's put our hands together as he comes to the pulpit to share the word of God with us. Well, now then, um, we're glad to be with you today. Um, we are going somewhere else this afternoon. And um, then Pastor Charles rang up to remind me about the um, second Sunday in October. And uh, anyway, um, I then decided then, oh, well, now then, if we're going somewhere to Tutin this afternoon, we'll come to Living Word this morning. Amen. And so we're very glad to be here. Amen. And um, there we are. And I. Uh, I'm grateful to uh, Pastor Charles asked if I would bring a word this morning, and uh, you know, and he did mention the theme that you are um, dealing with the theme of obedience this morning, and um, my, I, wa I was thinking about my opening remarks and thinking like this that uh, perhaps not that I'm out of my comfort zone. It's not that, but I'm certainly out of my style this morning because I just want to go to three different places and um, follow through the, uh, the theme that we have had. And uh, I should have had a, pen, a pencil in hand and just taken some notes as, a, as we were singing and progressing through, and uh, um, progressing through the worship. And, uh, but anyway, that's, that's not to be. So I wonder if we can turn now to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter one. First Thessalonians one. I'll read this particular part of the chapter, and then when we come to where we'll be going next, which I think will be about um, uh, Exodus three, and then landing up in John two at the end, um, and following through this theme of obedience. And 1 Thessalonians 1 reads, Paul and Silvanus, or another word for Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. If I was reading the King James this morning, it would be your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, 
and with full conviction, with much assurance, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how that you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And the first thing I want to speak about this morning is the very first act of obedience of every believer. Every first act of obedience for every believer. So as Pastor Charles has been uh, bringing this series of messages, and as exhortation has come, as instruction has been given, and as the, the, the word has been proclaimed, you know, we've been thinking of Jesus at the beginning, or his working in us at the beginning. At least that's the application of what we sang this morning. His work at the very beginning. And here in Thessalonia, there was this work of grace and power of God for the God word. The gospel didn't come in word only, it came also in power and in great assurance. It had a great effect in those who heard the word and received it and obeyed that it came with much assurance. And blessed is everyone who has the assurance of salvation this morning. Perhaps there's someone sitting here who believes on the Lord Jesus. Amen. And you haven't got that, that, that great assurance. But the thing is this, that by obeying what he says we should do, you will have the assurance. And not only have the assurance, but go on to the outworking of that assurance, which is more of obedience and more of obedience and more of obedience. And I'm sure that that is the, um, at least that, that, that would be the end to which Pastor Charles is leading you in these, uh, this series of ministry, to the end that there will be. Now then, just remind, now, remind ourselves, as you see, bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love. And do you know what that work of faith is? Do you know what that work of faith is? For the Thessalonians, it was in, in verse 9, see, how that you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. How that you turn to God from idols. Do you know? That's repentance. Repentance is, let me take the text of Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So, uh, you know, like a sheep going astray, you're going this way. 
Then the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The gospel proclamation came. We were attracted to that and we turned completely round. And we're walking in the opposite direction. If I could take the figure of um, the moving wallpaper was up here this morning. You know what I mean by that? I will send you a wallpaper, by the way, uh, uh, you know, uh, comparable to what you have there. Um, and you see, uh, you know, going this way away, turning to the cross. And what's the ministry? Uh, what's the exhortation of the ministry? Yes, to come to the cross, but to go beyond the cross, to go the other side of the cross. Because you see, what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished was so that there might be uh, the other side of the cross amen. to him and to us. Yes, amen. And let me emphasize one thing this morning. In all the songs that you sing, whether they're old hymns or new hymns, beloved, if the, if the, if the emphasis is on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have life because he was raised from the dead. Amen. Beloved, beloved, that is not the truth. Do you know the truth? The truth is that the victory was in the cross. Amen. In the cross. And there are two aspects to that. We look of what took place concerning him on the cross. In the words of Isaiah, his visage, his appearance, the whole of the sight of him was so marred. Yes, that's on the cross. But in that, in that, when he was on the cross, in the cross was the work of victory. In the work was the work of victory. The shout of victory at the end was because of what had been accomplished, whereby he could say one word, finished. He was raised again for our justification, yes. He was raised again because the victory had been won. What do we read in Matthew's Gospel? Not only had the veil of the temple been rent in two from the top to the bottom, but there was also an earthquake. The rocks were split and the graves were open. Why? Because he had conquered the grave on the cross. Hallelujah. That's why the grave could not hold him. The grave did not have power because the power of the grave and death had been dealt with. Amen. The power of death had been dealt with and the consequence was the power of the grave also. Someone may say, I've been brought up in a Christian home. We've never had idols on a shelf anywhere or in any place that we might visit. If that is so, beloved, have you built any idols that are so much of a show that you may think that they're not idols? And yet the evil one, in all his subtlety, has worked in your heart and mind to build something that's an idol. It can be a career. There's nothing wrong with the greatest career. 
There's nothing wrong with any academic accomplishment so long as it doesn't become the God, the thing that we worship. Some people can worship education for their children, but education is a means to an end so that in the purposes of God it might come to its full potential. And coming to his full potential, and here's the important thing, be used for his glory. Glory, glory, glory. The missing keynote in the child, I've asked if this is being recorded for one thing, perhaps to say this, the missing, what was the word I said and described it? Keynote, was it, did I use the word keynote? Right. The missing keynote in the church today is the presence of God in his power, but, but, but in his glory. Whether it is sensed in a powerful way or not, it is the glory of God that is the missing dimension. And without the glory of God, the missing dimension, everything else is insignificant. Even his love. Because it is his glory that is the attraction. And every time we read of someone in the Bible being attracted to God, we always read of his presence, yes, his power, yes, but his glory. And beloved, that is my appeal today. That is my proclamation today. And if I say it's an appeal, not just here, but everyone who may read or listen to this CD when it comes. That's why I'm emphasizing it today. I haven't said anything about the worship this morning. Do you know why? Because every time I visit here, I say the same thing. And this morning wasn't off beat. It was on beat. And may I say it? It was on beat for the present team, right? as it was on beat for the ones before Amen. and the ones before two, the ones before that is three in it, no, four before, before and I can put all those befores because I know what has gone before Hallelujah. and there was something before my first before thinking this morning, might have been way back before 1997 perhaps that I missed Pastor Charles first and I've known Living Word for the same time that I've known him. So remember the first act of obedience and you know beloved every act of obedience 
is according to that first act. And the encouragement to you today is, as you have taken the first act and been obedient many times, the call of this ministry, the call of this series in particular, is to exhort one another by example and in every way to continue in that obedience and to continue it in the same measure of simplicity. Amen. Right, the same measure of simplicity. Because then you see the step will not be a step nine foot. Let's pitch it at 10 and say three meters high. It will be simplicity. And the youngest in the meeting can take a step of obedience with simplicity. Now let us go to Exodus 3. My great temptation is not to preach a message this morning on just that, you know, from where we've been. Exodus 3. I forgot I put my bookmark in. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we, 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 we read about Moses now and his first step of obedience when he met God in the burning bush and when the glory of God was revealed in the fire that consumed the bush and uh, that, that, that was burning in the bush and it was not consumed. It was not consumed because what was in the bush was the glory of God. The glory of God. God appeared in glory to him before he spoke. If we get that, pardon me going on the hobby horse this morning, right? And the hobby horse is for those who are listening to the CD this morning. When there is a manifestation of the glory of God, knowing that people are then able to receive the word that he will speak out from that glory. Do you know my greatest pleasure here this morning? To preach to the listeners that are not here. Oh, I've, I've got to qualify my words. Not greatest pleasure, equal pleasure. Because it is, you know, a great pleasure to speak to you. Now then, we thought of the burning bush. And then we have Moses then coming and at the burning bush we read that Moses was commanded 
to cast his staff, his rod, on the ground. Someone answer, whose rod was it when it was thrown on the ground? All right, Moses' rod. Right. It changed into a serpent, yes. And then you see in obedience, he took the serpent by the tail and as soon as he caught all of it, it was changed again into a rod or staff, whatever translation you have. Right? Then we read of Moses going back or being led in obedience to go back to the same place there for 40 years. And then we read this if we look on in chapter 4, 21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put within your power or within your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let people go. Then shall you say to Pharaoh, this, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let me back up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I come in a bit too early, too late. And Moses took his staff, his wife and his sons, and mounted them on a donkey, verse 20 of chapter 4, and he returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. You see, it was the staff of Moses. And because of obedience and the consequences of God, which was in the hand of God, the consequences of, of, of that were the responsibility of God, we read that he took the staff of God in his hand. And whenever he used his staff, he used it, or put it this way, I must put it, you know, blessed be correction, right, that's right. Every time in obedience, he used the staff, it was the staff of God. God took care of every consequence. He was told one day on the brink of the Red Sea to raise up his staff, before that to stand still to see the salvation of the Lord. He raised his staff and God took care of all the consequences and all that was needed as the result of his act of obedience. Amen. And the Red Sea opened and they went through and when they were on the other side, he raised again. And God took care of all the consequences. 
And beloved, when you are obedient to do, when I am obedient to do whatever the Lord commands us to do, God, and leave it in his hand, God will take care of the consequences. If he tells you, I, I don't know whether it's Brixton High Street, right? I know it's Brixton Road. Just stick with Brixton Road today. If God tells you on Brixton Road or wherever it is, Black Horse Road if you live in that place, the Walworth Road if you live in that place, or any other road, street, walk, close, or whatever, when God tells you to pray for that person, when you are obedient, God will take care of the consequences. No matter what kind of prayer it is, because it, that prayer will be as you are led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The person may outwardly not be seen to need healing, for example. Perhaps they can be seen outwardly. Perhaps healing isn't in the equation. But whatever it is, as a result of praying, God will take care of the consequences. If that soul needs salvation, God will take care of the consequences. He may you may use you in, in, in the chain, right? He may not. But he will take care of the consequences. And then thinking about the consequences, don't let that become a hindrance. I wonder if I'll be able to follow this up. If God wants you to follow it up, he'll give you everything needed for the next step of obedience in that particular case. But, 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 and this is the thing, beloved, if Someone else in the body of Christ is the one who he commands to follow up and they follow up. He will give to them all that is necessary for their part. Amen. Whether they have many parts in the chain in that place to that person or whatever or the circumstance. And the result will be ultimately the glory of God. And one of the greatest things that can happen as a result of the glory of God is of that person or many persons coming to be a true worshipper of him turning to God from idols and then with the labor of love serving the living and true God. We've got to turn over now to John chapter 2. And of course, as we think of John chapter 2, and the wedding in Cana of Galilee, his mother said to the servants, 
whatever he tells you to do, let's find the text. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And there was a precise time, a particular time, on that occasion for Jesus to work, to move, to speak. And in order that it might come to pass, to say to those whose job it was to fill the water pots in that place. And when, you know, his mother came to him and he said, my hour, my time is not yet. But there came a time in that wedding when it was so. And he said to the servants, fill the water pots up to the brim. We're not told how empty they were to start or whether one was almost full and they were all there, in the, you know, the diff different amounts needed in each one. That wasn't the point. He said, fill them up to the brim. And they filled them up to the brim. And you know, by the time they would get into the brim, they wouldn't have been wasting water because if they had wasted the water, they would have had to go back for more in any case, you know. up to the brim. I can just imagine it. Half a jug or whatever it was, up to the brim. Only to the brim. Why? Because they needed the rest to go in the next one. But they were obedient. And when Jesus had accomplished what he had planned to do on that occasion, no one else beside himself knew except those that drew the water knew. You see, they were obedient for the first step. What was the first step? Many steps. Dredge out, up to the well, dip in, come back. Dip in, come back. Dip in, come back. And they might have said, thank goodness they fall. But then, what was the second step? The second step was, draw out now. And bear to the governor of the feast. Take it up to the fellow who's in charge of the whole affair not knowing that there was someone there who was in charge of the whole affair. But you know what I mean by that, don't you? But so far as the feasting was concerned and the celebration and everything else, give it to him to taste. Do you know, at the first taste, he had a shock. Do you know why? Because the taste of that was more tasteful than anything else that they had drunk that day. Amen. But we won't go on to that. 
then they would have taken it. I tell you what, they would have been running around seeing that everybody was topped up or whatever it means, you know. And I'm sure of this, I'm sure of this. If going back and forth to the well was a drudgery and a drudgery and a drudgery, going back and forth to the water pots was no drudgery whatsoever. Oh, beloved, I'm thinking of that text in the prophet of Isaiah with joy. You shall draw out of the wells of salvation. Amen. And beloved, every act of obedience brings joy. Amen. It will bring joy to you because God is no man's debtor. Amen. But oh, if it brings joy to you, beloved, the joy it brings to someone else may not be comparable, comparable to that. Because you do not know what the result of your act of obedience will mean to that person. The person will know, God will know, I haven't got time to go into this one, not that I haven't got time. I could take off now into uh, what, 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 the, what are the consequences of that joy being joy in the heart of God, right? That's not for today. But I do know this, that the joy that will be yours and if I took a little while to go on to what I haven't left out this morning, what I've left out this morning, right? I do know this. The joy that will be yours will be the joy that is in the heart of God that is as a result of your obedience. And he, being no man's debtor indeed, will minister to you by the Holy Spirit the very joy that's in his own heart. Beloved, the, the, the word is more than joy. The true word is gladness. Gladness. Gladness of heart. The gladness of the heart of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.